when Lucy mentioned Derek and Bonnie, I thought that was perfect, and Kevin and Carol as well, and their families. Um, they, uh, they're great examples of our family of churches. We don't exist by ourselves. We are part of a family of churches, and we have a reach that is truly international, and it's amazing that we can do that. And part of that uh, family um, we, we have uh, another family member here, and I wanted to introduce her briefly today um, so that you can appreciate what we actually have with us. Uh, there is a church that is just a little bit west of us on Stovall Main Street, but across the 404. It's called Summit Community Church, and Leah Gould is with us today. Leah is the wife of the lead pastor, Jerry Gould. Jerry was here when we did our grand opening. He was part of our dedication of the building and this space, and so extra super fun to have Leah with us. But her story is amazing about just what's happening in her, and so I hope we get a little bit of a taste of that. Leah, come on up. Give her a welcome, okay, like you mean it. Watch, watch, watch. Get my glasses. (laughs) going to set this here. Well, thank you so much, Graham, Cheryl, for having me here today. Um, Yes, my name is Leah Gould. I'm married to Jerry Gould. Uh, We've been married for over 30 years, which is astounding to me. (laughs) And um, we have uh, three grown children, uh, Caleb, Amanda, and Dylan, and they went off to university, and now they're back home living with us. So if you think they've left, they do come back. Um, it has its challenges at times, for sure, uh, but actually it is a joy to, to be still influential in their lives and to have them home and see them every day. So um, also, uh, yes, Jerry and I have been in ministry for over 30 years as well, uh, and we pastor Summit Community Church, and we've been there for 21 years at Summit, which again is also astounding to think we've been there that long. But first, I also wanted to say thank you to the worship team. That was beautiful. Um, The sound was absolutely beautiful, the voices, but I know the Lord received the words and the worship from everyone today, and it was, some of the songs were actually very perfect for what I'm talking about, and I just, I'm amazed at how God works, so thankful. Um, One connection I have with Cheryl and Graham is that Cheryl, Jerry and I, our first church was in Cedarview in Ottawa, Ontario, and that was our very first church. We were freshly married out of Bible college, went to Ottawa, and Jerry was the youth pastor, and Cheryl was one of our youth. And so I've known Cheryl for a long time, and as beautiful as you experience her is the way she has always been. Wonderful family, loved them, genuine caring, loving family. Uh, loved her voice. I remember hearing her sing in a, in, you know, on a Sunday and just chills running up and down me because just such a beautiful voice and beautiful person. Uh, today we're talking about, you've been on this journey on the outflow of what God does in our lives. And I, when Cheryl was a teenager and we were at, the, at uh, Ottawa, they decided to do a mission trip and they called it Spy Tour. And a group of uh, uh, the 
youth pastors got together and they formed this trip to go to Thailand and to Vietnam and to Laos, and Cheryl went on this trip. And I know this trip had a huge impact, that the outflow of what God was going to show her impacted her life even to now, I believe. She went to Thailand and she saw orphans. She saw the situations in Thailand, how people were living. She saw their need for Jesus. But back home, her mom was decorating and changing her room. She painted it and she brought new comforter and made it this beautiful room. So when Cheryl arrived home from that trip, it was extremely overwhelming to her. After coming from seeing people live in poverty and with less, to walk into a home where you have so much, and then to walk into a room that's been so beautifully decorated, I remember that that had a huge impact, and it was very hard for her to kind of wrestle with, why do I have so much? Why do they have so little? God uses, Jesus uses those experiences experiences to help us to have an understanding of what he sees in our world and to change us and to impact us. And it does affect us, I think, for all of our life. So let me pray and then we can, we can start. Heavenly Father, we just give praise to you today. We thank you for your love for the nations. And we thank you for into one. And we know that I can see already in their heart that they First, they love you with all their heart and that they have a desire to do your plan and your purposes here on this earth. I ask for your anointing now on what I have to say. Lord, you know the journey you've uh, taken me on and I'm so thankful, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do the work in the hearts and minds of those who listen and that, Lord, you know uh, what they can take and what they don't need to take and I ask that you just be present and uh, just speak into their hearts and minds about your love for the nations. We give praise to you, we love you, and we give glory to your name. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So yes, today I will share a little bit about the journey I have been on, how Jesus has brought this outflow of love for the nations into my life. And also I want to share first a little bit about Summit, uh, the church that uh, Jerry and I are at, and how that has also been part of their journey as well. Um, we started to pursue kind of a global um, desire to get involved, like a desire to get involved in global missions. And we took the passage from Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Very familiar passage. And so we became intentional about pursuing God's plan for reaching people and how that would look for Summit. But I have to say, when we started Summit, we kind of thought, eh, we will we'll get to the missions, the global missions side of things. Let's focus just on our community. Let's reach um, our family, our friends, our co-workers, which is all awesome and good. We were trying to be seeker-sensitive, all those terms. And, but we kind of were going to set aside missions until a certain time where we felt that we should do that. But I, don't, I know looking back, Jerry and I would say that was not the best thing. We should have gone full on into being mission-minded, uh, just looking outside um, just Canada and our, into our world. So then we began this journey in, in, at Summit to pray fervently about how God wants to use us. And uh, he 
we started with our community and starting to do outreach events, uh, tutoring, uh, doing some things in schools that we were trying to be a little more impactful. We started uh, Christmas at the Farm, some of you were involved in that over the years, and Easter extravaganza, bringing awareness uh, to our community, giving back to our community. I know you guys are already start doing that as well. Uh, so we started to do that, um, and then we knew we needed to look beyond our own church and to start looking to see how we can help others. And we started to help Toronto Alliance, uh, downtown Toronto and Bill Dix Church. And so we began a partnership with Bill, giving to their church financially, giving resources to them. They had a Saturday night uh, uh, dinner that they gave to the street-involved people, and so we said, hey, we'll take one of those uh, Saturday nights, and we will help you and volunteer and take it all over for you so you guys have a break. And so we started that wonderful partnership with Toronto Alliance. We're still involved in, their, in that ministry as well. Then we began to pray actively about, okay, Lord, we need to get into the global missions. We need to see, and what does Summit going to do for the world? But what do you have for us? And God opened up an opportunity for Jerry and I to go to Uganda, Africa. And this came through someone outside our church. They didn't come to our church. For some reason, they said, we want you guys to go. So Jerry and I went. Um, but the Christian and Missionary Alliance had heard we were going, and they said, hey, would you go also to Niger and see a field that is just opening up? We have new international workers there. Would you go and take a look at that field? And so Jerry and I, uh, we did, went to Uganda and experienced some awesome uh, exposure to missions, and then we uh, went to Niger, and we met uh, the new team that was on the field. And we met Lisa Rorick, and she is a wonderful woman. We went to Bible college with her. She ministers to the Fulani, which I see you guys already know about the Fulani people. And it's, I mean, it's been a long journey uh, for Lisa um, to reach the people uh, in Niger, a very poor country. Um, but she started telling Bible stories to a group of men. And because she has white hair, they were allowed her to come into their group and to share uh, these stories. So many of them have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they just recently, I'm not sure if you're aware, but just had a Bible uh, translated all in Fulani. So they've just received that. There's been a lot of fruit, but it's taken a lot of years. So we have partnered with Lisa also for quite a long time. So a few years later, uh, Jerry and our leader of our mission team, Dan Lowe, um, after this trip to uh, Niger, uh, this gentleman, Ted Price, he was a police officer in Toronto. He asked Jerry, said, hey, I want you and your mission team leader to come to Cambodia. And uh, so our board said, sure, go. And so Ted uh, took Jerry and uh, Dan to Cambodia, and he exposed them to Kim Bowie, who you, I think, met two years ago. And Kim works in Cambodia. Uh, she was working with the Vietnamese uh, families and helping them in their situations. And so Jerry had this opportunity to meet Kim and to see what she was doing. And that's when a partnership with Kim formed uh, with Summit, and uh, we 
ended up uh, in 2010 signing a seamless link agreement with Kim. I don't know if your church uh, is involved in a seamless link. Um, this is a commitment to partner with Kim's ministry to the Vietnamese, and it's, a, it's an actual signed agreement uh, that you would pray, you would financially give, you would communicate and go. And so I have to say Summit took this on very seriously. Um, we right away engaged in our communicating with Kim. And when we actually, when we purchased the land at, at Stouffville Road on the 404, the money that came in from our congregation, we actually tithed some of that money. And we gave to Kim, we gave to Niger, and we gave to Toronto Alliance. Um, we really sensed that the Lord wanted us to do that. So we began right away to give financially. And then we had some ladies in our church communicating with Kim. They would, every Sunday night, they would Skype with her. And they would hear what's going on. They would pray for her. They would take her requests and then give it to us. So we really were wanting to fulfill our commitment and our covenant at the Seamless Link Agreement. So I think, you know, when God starts um, seeing that your heart is open to do what he wants when you yield to him and give it to him. He opens up opportunities. He puts situations into our path. And I mean, both those situations, someone else had orchestrated and said, come, come. And so God, we see God opening up these opportunities. And you know, even though I went to Uganda and Niger, I truly, um, I know the Lord had touched my heart when I was there, exposing me to missions, but I know I wasn't ready. I wasn't spiritually ready for what he wanted to show me, and I know the timing with my children in school, I know it wasn't the right time. So I grew up um, in a farming community like Stouffville uh, in Saskatchewan, and I'm really thankful for my farm heritage because you know, I've gone to some places around the world and it's, yeah, you know, it's not the nicest, the environment's kind of dirty, so, but it doesn't bother me because I've grown up on a farm, I'm, you know, I was used to that kind of exposure to certain things. So I'm thankful for that, but I'm also thankful for my home church. Um, that church was a very mission-minded, little, small farming community church, but they loved missions, and they gave generously. I don't know if you know Arnold Cook, but he knows Strasbourg Alliance Church because they were such a strong giving towards missions. Um, they would, you know, back in the day, you would write your missionaries, and these women would do that faithfully. They would have that week-long missions conference. It was just so wonderful because you'd have potlucks every night, and you'd have, uh, you know, singers come in, and then you'd have your missionaries who would, you know, they would tell their stories with their slides, and that impacted my life. I know because of that, I have a love for missions. And I saw that missions was a priority for the church and a priority for individuals. And I know God started to develop that missional heart for me. But one of the important components in the outflow of what God was going to do in my life was that I had began a journey of deepening my relationship with Jesus. I began to pray more or desiring to learn how to pray more. I began to uh, be much more intentional about 
committing time alone with Jesus and time in his word. Um, I think we go through seasons of life where it's hard because you're young, young children, it can be hard, but it's such an important thing for us to be um, in his presence daily. And I'm, I know that that has been important that I had developed that prayer, deepening prayer life, and that I had been deepening my relationship with Jesus. So as Summit's relationship with Kim Bowie was developing, we decided we needed to see firsthand what her ministry was all about. We needed to go, um, we, thought, we felt that this would give us a better understanding of how we could assist her. And so I do, after going to so many different mission fields, I do think that it is a really good thing for us to go and see. You get an understanding of what your international workers are doing, you get to meet the people, and it does change how you pray and how you can help them and assist them. So I had the privilege of going on Summit's first short-term mission trip to Cambodia, November 2013. And actually it was through the outflow of love that Ted Price, the man this police officer, uh, had for the Vietnamese and for Kim that I was given the opportunity to go. He told Jerry, Ted told Jerry after that first trip that Jerry went with him, he said, Leah needs to go to Cambodia. Well, Ted did not know me. He met me once. Why would he say, Leah needs to go? And he said, and I want to pay for Leah to go. And so, um, uh, he offered this to me, and so here we are, we're planning to go. But at the beginning of 2013, so we were going November 2013, at the beginning of 2013, Ted dies of a sudden heart attack. And so we wrote his wife, Alice, and said, hey, you don't have to, you know, have Leah go. It's all right, we understand you've gone through such a tragic, sudden death of your husband. But she said, no, this is what Ted wanted, and I'm going to send you money for Leah to go. Again, the outflow of the Holy Spirit prompting Ted to have me go. Why? Why would someone who doesn't even know me, why would he want me to go? God knew. Even though I didn't understand it, God knew the plans that he had for me. And I'm thankful for that. So during Summit's first short-term mission trip to Cambodia, God really touched my heart. He revealed to me his love for the Vietnamese in Cambodia and showed me that he wanted me to help them. He wanted me to be his hands and his feet. And God, he saw their hardship of the Vietnamese and their need of his salvation, especially the children. And now I know that God has a plan for those children because now they're older and I'm seeing what he is doing in their life. Now, the Vietnamese, I don't know if you remember or recall what Kim had told you about, but they live in Cambodia. They fled Vietnam, came to Cambodia, but the Cambodians don't like them. They don't give them citizenship. The children, they don't have birth certificates, passports. They can't own land. Many of them live on boats um, in a lake, on a lake. Um, but the ones we are ministering to live in Siem Reap. And because um, they don't... Like, if, if there's a job, a Cambodian's going to get it over a Vietnamese. So what the Vietnamese do, they go around with these big carts, and they go through garbage, and they collect recycle. And they fill up their carts, and they take it to the recycle depot. But 
when we went there, sadly, the parents needed their, their children to help them. So the children would go out every morning, go through the garbage, pick through the recycle, just to gain a few dollars. And so we saw the situation of these children, knowing that they couldn't even go to school because they had to help their parents. They needed the money, even though it might be just a little bit, they st still needed their children to help them. I love that we have a God that is not made of wood or stone that I have seen over the times in different countries. But we have a God that loves us, sees us. And he's, I know he has seen the cries of the Vietnamese uh, children or their families. I don't know. He has heard and he saw them. Psalm 33, 13 to 15 says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He, uh, all on the earth, he had, who forms the earth, hearts of all, who considers everything they do. God sees. He looks down and he sees mankind. He saw these children. And then we have Hagar, who refers to God as the God who sees. Genesis 16, 13. She gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Like, God sees even, like Hagar was nothing. Who was she? But God saw her. And same with these Vietnamese children. I know God has seen them. And he not only just sees them, he acts and he delivers. And he brings people into their lives. He brought Kim and others into their lives. And now he was bringing me and bringing Summit into their lives. Psalm 72, 12. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. And Psalm 35, 10. Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and the needy from those who rob them. I know God was, had a plan for these children, and he is going to use us. He uses people to carry out his plan to act. So on that short-term mission trip in November 2013, I sensed God clearly calling me to serve the Vietnamese children in Cambodia. Of course, the children grabbed my heart. I was immediately drawn to them, even with their smelly, uh, smelly clothes, which they would wear every day, uh, and their filthy bodies and lice-filled hair. I love them. I, I just love them. I can't explain that, how that happened, other than just the love of Jesus for them. Kim couldn't believe that she, I would actually let them kind of crawl all over me because she's with my long hair. She thought, oh, you're going to get lice. But I never got lice ever. <laughs> so something happened inside me during that, that trip. It was an outflowing of God's love for these children. And quickly, a deep bond between the children and our summit team developed. And Kim said she had never seen the kids uh, just really connect with the team before like that. Um, Kim had asked us to teach about Jesus and his love. And so we, we taught them about how Jesus never leaves them and that he'll go with them wherever they go. Because even though we might have seen these kids, some, next thing you know, they could be gone and their families could have moved away. Many of them already have moved to another location. And we just that assurance to know that Jesus is with them and that we can teach them that. Um, and just, I have still, I contact 
The kids call me every day, actually. <laughs> they talk to me, and they say, I write little prayers out for me. And they, this one boy said yeah, that Jesus is with you wherever you go, wherever you go today, so be careful. <laughs> so the children, they kept that too. I love that they still remember that teaching back in 2013, that Jesus goes with them wherever they go. I know that first short-term mission trip, I sent God impressing upon me that I could make a difference in the lives of these children if I was willing. I sense God saying to me that I have put these children into your life. Now you need to do something about it. I don't want you to go back to Canada to your comfortable life and ignore the plight of these children. And I experienced like a 360-degree change in my life Yes, I was serving the Lord and doing all kinds of things at Summit. I was in charge of TAC at the time, uh, Toronto Alliance, uh, running that ministry. I was responsible for different things at Summit. But you know what? Actually, I was caught up in things and thinking about decorating my house and thinking about, oh, where will I retire? And thinking about going on nice trips or my clothes. I, th that occupied a lot of my thinking and my mind and the Lord was changing that he was saying I want you to think about these kids and I want you to make a difference so my uh, focus began to change and a growing burden for the children in Cambodia was growing in me I have to say God had been preparing me for this even though I didn't know this was the path he would take me on Again, with my prayer life uh, deepening and my heart for the nations growing, uh, for the poor and for the oppressed, God was starting to work that in me. So when I came home from that first trip, I, I have to say I emotional. I cried a lot for those children. I prayed a lot for them. I spent hours praying for them. I would wake up in the middle of the night and begin praying for them. And I expressed my desire to God that I'm willing and wanting to go back and do whatever I can to help the children. Now, during that time, I took the Kairos course, and um, it's a wonderful course to help you understand God's plan and God's working in the year, all these all through the years, how God has worked through missions and how he places people and moves people and how people have come to faith through others going and reaching them. But one of the things that impacted me the most was this term called world Christian. And I couldn't quite articulate what was going on inside me. Like, why did I have this compelling pushing? I, I never had was like that. I'd never had something that I wanted to do or sensed I needed to do so much and so badly, or I don't know what a great word, but I just felt this compelling and pressing. And this world Christian says, it's ordinary believers whose lives have been transformed by an extraordinary vision. They see the world as God sees it. And so I wrote in that manual, this is me. This is what I'm feeling. This is, God has exposed me to his love of the nations and that he actually uses us. And he, I just was able then to understand a little more of what 
that, understand why this pressing and pulling for me to go. And even, you know, the apostles, they, soon as when Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, they were on fire and were out and reaching the nations. And I felt that was the same kind of burning that was happening inside of me, this desire to uh, help them to uh, learn about Jesus and to grow in their faith and to uh, just help them in their situations that they were going through. First John 3, 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for bro- our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I needed to act on this calling, just like Nehemiah was moved in his heart to rebuild the wall, despite the obstacles he faced and despite the ridicule, he didn't sit back and do nothing. He acted and he rebuilt that wall. And this is what I was experiencing too. I wanted to act on what God had been given to me when I was in Cambodia, and I I didn't want to come back to my comfortable life in Canada and do nothing. Now, the Lord, uh, he confirmed that calling on my life when we had General Assembly in Ottawa 2014. It was a night where we had our communion night, and they said, we have people ready to pray for you. Uh, They've been preparing for this for months, um, just so if you feel like you want someone to pray for you. I remember sitting there going, nah, I don't want, I'm okay. Uh, But then the Lord just said, no, go. So I went, I had communion. And this lady, uh, I didn't know her, and she began praying over me. And then after she prayed, she just had this look in her eyes, and she said, God has a calling on your life. And I was like, whoa. Like, I was sensing a calling, but I had never had anyone say that to me. Um, And to be honest, even, I probably wouldn't have even maybe articulated that I had a calling, even in Cambodia, because I never had really thought about it. And I think, you know, as pastor's wife, some, we, we are um, united with our husbands and we serve with them. And, but I think we're also individuals who God sees, who have, he has a plan and a purpose for, and he wants to use us. And I, so it was kind of like, wow, God has a plan for me and he's a calling for my life. And it's out of the box and different, but but it was a real confirmation to me that, yes, God does. When she said this to me, I did go back and spend some time with the Lord to ask him, is this from you, Lord? And I do sense that, I did sense for sure that this was a call, that God had a calling on my life to serve and help um, in missions in Cambodia. So then the Lord opened up many, many opportunities for me to go back to Cambodia and to serve and help the children. I would teach Bible lessons. I would teach English. I um, would help Kim run uh, the programs. Um, And to be honest, my passport is filled with Cambodian visas. And uh, I'm just so thankful that the Lord gave me those opportunities. And, you know, in hindsight, you, we don't know um, why, and, but we begin to see over time when we look back. And at that time, Kim, she was in need of help. And she was going through, she has physical problems. She was, wasn't well. I think at one point ready to quit. 
And uh, we just came along and assisted her, assisted her and helped her. And there were times I would stay and help run her Christmas program or just encourage her and ran, run some of the programs. He knew, God knew that, the, that Kim needed help. He needed, knew that the Vietnamese children and their families needed his hope. God's plans are perfect. And we know God has called Summit and, and myself to work with the Vietnamese in Cambodia. And God, he's looking for willing people to step up and to serve, um, serve his people all around the world. Now, some of my trips, Jerry has come with me, and he gets right in there and does whatever he can, mentoring and helping those who need uh, leadership training or anything, he would come and help. Uh, but many times I would take short-term mission teams, people from our congregation would come and again, God would touch their hearts as well. Many of them came back to Canada and got, you know, started to uh, be involved in our mission team, giving exposure to global missions to our congregation. Some of them became prayer warriors for the Vietnamese. Um, some of them uh, gave more. Like we found our giving just increased um, as we became more uh, aware and more globally minded. Our giving towards missions became uh, stronger. Uh, some of our people we had creative ways in which they wanted to help the children. We started a spiritual adoption program where people were uh, in our congregation were with would uh, hooked up with one of the children and they would pray for them and commit to that. We didn't give financially to the children, but we would be their spiritual parents and help them in that way. So during Summit's ministry with the Vietnamese, we have witnessed many, many receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, we baptized 23 youth and adults over the last few years. That's why. And yeah, and I think last year there were 11 adults and youth that were baptized. So I think in total in the five years, we probably baptized over 45 Vietnamese, and it's wonderful. <clears throat> we have watched, um, oh, sorry, we have deepened our relationship with the parents. It was important for us to begin to have a stronger relationship with the parents, so we deepened that. And to be honest, I'm gonna, you know, I just was visiting them, and they're not, um, for me, they're not a project, and oh, they're poor people. They are now my friends, their family to me. I see them in such a different light. I'm so thankful for the relationship I have with the parents. But one of the greatest things that happened, and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit convicting them, is that um, anset their ancestor worship centers in their homes and businesses, they took them down. They got rid of them, many of the parents, and they declared that they are followers of Jesus. And this is huge because, you know, people come to some of their business, they see that that ancestor worship thing isn't there, like they're going to like, what's going on? So it was a huge thing. And we didn't come down hard on them. We just allowed the Holy Spirit to expose that this is not good and just by teaching God's word. And um, so wonderful uh, to see that they have stopped doing that. 
And now um, the CNMA is uh, in the process of forming a Vietnamese church in Siem Reap. And these, those children are youth now, and they lead that service. And they do the worship and the teaching, um, and they will be the church. Um, and it's God is so good. Today, Sharon shared about her life, this, this verse, the verses that God has impacted. And one of my trips to Cambodia, I, Kim, she had come home for her home assignment for a year, and then she had to, they asked if she would stay home in Canada as they evaluated the ministry. So I went for several months and ran the ministry. And, but before I went, the Lord gave me this wonderful verse. I'm so glad he speaks through his word to us and brings comfort. It gives us strength. It is Isaiah 58:11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, which Cambodia is, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a wa well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I felt this like the Lord was going to strengthen me because there were times when it was extremely hard to be there alone, not speaking the language and trying to uh, facilitate uh, these ministries and keep things going. But God has promised and I held on to that verse. So I rejoice um, with everything that Into One is doing, all the Bible-shaped, Christ-exalted, gospel-driven efforts that you are putting forth to reach your community, and I know you are. I know that's in your heart. I can see it already just being here today. And I don't want you to stop those initiatives and to reaching your community, and I don't want you to do less for them, but I want you to encourage you today to do more for the unreached nations of the world and we know that some of those nations are here. They are coming to Canada. They are in our communities, and that's an awesome thing. And we need to do everything to reach them. But I want to encourage you to not stop there, to do more, to develop and pursue a missional heart, an outflow of love for the unreached peoples of the world. And I hope that you will believe with me that adding to your missional investment in your community and outflowing passion for the unreached peoples of the world will be one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself and into one. And I know I see that with, um, with Summit. It has been, God just has blessed and has changed in the heart of our church, and it's wonderful. Um, I also want to say that we sang um, Whom Shall I Fear. That was Kim's favorite song. We sang that song um, because there, there's an enemy out there. And I think we all, I hope you agree with me, but I think we believe that we're in war times when it comes to spiritual things. We're not in peacetime. And the stakes are very high when it comes to eternal the eternal life of people, and that our enemy, he's a liar, a murderer, a blinder, and he will use everything within his power to keep you blind to the fact that without hearing and believing the gospel of Christ crucified and risen, people are perishing all over the world in places where there is no church or no missional involvement at all. He wants us to not think that matters, but it does matter. We need to wake up and to see that he is trying to distract us. I pray that you will have here at Into One and in your own personal lives, will have a spirit of prayer ignited in you and that you will pray day and night for the vindication of God's people 
and pray for the hallowing of his name. Pray for the coming of the bridegroom with lightning power and great glory. And I pray that you would find yourselves ignited day and night, just like I experienced, giving intercession for the nations. I pray Jesus set you free and keep you free from the snares of riches. These are the idols. They're things like ease and comfort and games, entertainment, and all kinds of wanting all kinds of things and bigger homes. All of that is a distraction for us. We need to embrace the suffering and sacrifice that finishing of the Great Commission will cost us. John 12, 24, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. We need to die to ourself and live for what Jesus wants us to do. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Mark 8:34. The Calvary road is a hard road. The gate is narrow and the way is hard. Yet it is the happiest road on the planet. Matthew 7:14. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I pray that a new song would awaken in your heart and in your mouth, a song that is an outflowing expression for the nations, because how can we have the, bid the nations to come and sing with us if we're not singing over our Savior? Psalms 96, 1 to 3, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Missions, global missions, <clears throat> is bidding the nations to sing with us. But how will they sing with us if we're not singing? We need to sing. I pray that God would waken in our hearts a new song, a song of praise to God, and that many will see, see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I pray God would awaken in your hearts the greatest sense of significance you could ever have and for the great thing that you were made to be involved in. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you could ever dreamed. I never dreamed I would be able to serve the Lord or would serve the Lord in this way and going to Cambodia and being involved firsthand in missions. So that's businessmen, businesswomen, that's homemakers, and that's students. God has a plan of something so significant, and that's pastor's wives as well. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations with him and he will one, that he will one day rule over. Your hearts were made for this your hearts were made to embrace the global dimension of missional living. So if you don't have a global heart, if you're not putting your, your arms around the nations and caring about the unreached peoples of the world, I think inside there's kind of a sadness, a something missing that happens. Just like our legs are used for walking and if we don't use them, they become uh, useless and not meant to be for what they're used to they're supposed to be used for it's the same with our our relationship our 
God's calling for us as a church and as people to reach the nations. It is part of who we are as believers in Jesus that we need to reach the unreached peoples, the nations of the world. And that's not just countries, it's ethnic groups around the world. We need to be concerned. I think sometimes we don't Sure, we're, there's something not settled because I think we're not concerned sometimes about the nations, but we need to be concerned about them and encourage you to. When we pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, that's meant to take our hearts and make it as big as history and as large as the globe. That's a healthy heart, a strong heart that outflows for the nations. You were made for this. This is the largest concern on the heart of God. We need to embrace his global purpose. Psalm 47, and one day, yea, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. One day the nations will gather and they're going to just worship God and it's our job to reach them so they'll do that. Ascribe to the Lord, all ye families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. One day, families of nations are going to gather and they're going to worship God. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Psalm 86, 9. Psalm 72, 11. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Psalm 72, 17. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. It's so good that Into One has been intentional about missions, and it's obvious. You have an outflow. This is your, as you do it all month long, you have this month long of mission awareness, and I think it obviously shows that you care about missions, and you are strategizing about them. You're beginning to you pray about them. You're investing in them. I think it's awesome. I notice you have missional partners in the Burnettes and Limbs, which is so great. Now, although Summit and my involvement at, uh, with the Vietnamese ministry in Cambodia has been put on hold due to personal, uh, personnel changes on the field, because Kim no longer is in Siem Reap, she is now in Phnom Penh, the capital, and she works um, in a church called New Hope and works with young adults doing uh, discipleship and mentoring. Um, so she isn't with that, and now two couples, the Limbs are one of them, are in Phnom Penh, and they're doing language uh, study. Uh, they're learning the Khmer language, and then in the summer, they will go and uh, be, take leadership of the ministry to the Vietnamese in Siem Reap. Um, so even though we're not, we're just kind of been told to wait right now and allow um, just this process for these new uh, IWs to take place, international workers to take place, um, the Lord continues to bring opportunities our way. Again, he just, when you are open, he's, he brings it. Um, and so it's our goal for Summit to have partnership in all five S regions of the Christian Missionary Alliance. So there's five regions. And so we had been praying about wh how, what is it going to look like for the Caribbean Sun? Who should our partnership be with? And God led us to Incalink. And uh, we are now partnered with Incalink Peru. And we are taking in two weeks on March 
8th to the 17th. We are, I'm going with a group of 10 of our youth, and we're going down to Inkalink, uh, Peru, and ministering to um, a community, the Victor Raul community, where many of the families, uh, the parent, the fathers are gang uh, involved in gangs and so we minister to the children and to the uh, moms and there's uh, it's it's wonderful so thankful that the Lord and I'm really actually excited for our youth uh, we had a meeting last night and they I just seen changes already in their life they are just their prayers um, and just I know God is going to work in them. This is their first exposure to mission type uh, work and um, just praying God will give them a heart for missions and maybe lead some of them to be people who go over and serve in missions. We also partner with an uh, just Recently, again, God brought into our uh, into summit a partnership with uh, Marie Enns, and uh, Marie uh, she was a, a Christian Missionary Alliance missionary for several years, many years. And when she turned 65, it was the policy of the Christian Missionary Alliance to bring your workers home. They, after 65, they ask you to come home to Canada. Your ministry is done. And um, but the Lord, He had other plans for Marie, and uh, he asked her to uh, start an orphanage in Cambodia. And uh, so she started an orphanage called Place of Rescue, and it is amazing. I've been there many times, and it is heaven on earth. 544 orphans and grannies she ministers, she has. In, so there's three locations um, in Cambodia, and she uh, takes in these these children, many of them, even the police, they will bring children. Their parents have died or bad situations. I mean, the hospitals, they, they call on Marie and say, will you take these children? And so 544. Now, one of the times, the very first time I met uh, Marie Enns in at Place of Rescue, she was uh, 80 years old, and she said, the last 10 years of my life have been the best 10 years. And that just gripped my heart, that she was a missionary. And I'm thinking, and these last 10 years are the best years from 70 to 80? God will use us. She's 85 and still serving the Lord with all her heart. God, it doesn't matter if, how young you are or how old you are. God wants to use you for his mission and plan around the world. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us and for into one. We know that he has called us to share the good news of Jesus to the nations and to be a witness in our communities, into Canada, and into the nations. Um, and again, I, God is, he's the mastermind of everything and what goes on in our world. And I mentioned to you that we're partnered with Toronto Alliance Church and Jerry was just on a vision trip with our denomination and, uh, in October, and he went to Nepal. And because of um, I'm being recorded, I, I, I'm going to call these people the tea people. <laughs> and uh, so Jerry met this tea man um, who uh, was living in a refugee camp in Nepal. He had become a Christian. And he said to Jerry, oh, many of our people from the refugee camp live in Toronto. They have taken refugee status and have gone to Toronto. And all of a sudden, Jerry sensed the Lord just saying, Bill Dick, 
He has a ministry to tea people downtown Toronto. There's a ministry here in Nepal. We need to connect them. And so he, Jerry comes home. He meets with Bill and says, hey, Bill, you need to go to Nepal. You need to connect. I don't know what God is doing, but I, I really sense you need to go. And Bill became very excited about this. But he said, oh, no way. There's no way I can do it because financially our church couldn't support me. And so Jerry said, let me just see what I can do. And so this is truly what happened. Jerry goes back to the office. He's sitting there. A man from our church walks in his office, says, hey, Jerry, I've got some money for missions. Does, is Leah going to Cambodia or, you know? And Jerry says, no, no, we don't need it for Cambodia right now, but would you give towards this for Bill Dick to, and his uh, children's pastor to go down, to uh, go to Nepal? And so um, then other people in our church heard of the situation and money was given. And so I had the privilege also of going with uh, Leslie and with Bill to uh, Nepal. And Leslie, the children's pastor, she runs all kinds of um, like outreach events with the T people. She runs uh, like a soccer club, a tutoring club. She does overnight camps. So it was so awesome really to watch them go to Nepal, connect with this young man and begin this dialogue of how is this going to work and how can we partner and work together. And, um, and we were walking down this refugee into this refugee camp. He's like, oh, that family's in Toronto. That family's in Toronto. He even named schools and different um, uh, people, they actually knew each other. Like, so Bill knew the same people that this tea, young tea guy knew. Um, so we really are excited. And also now we heard a family has just on their way to Canada from Nepal, from this refugee camp, and that they um, have first contact is going to be with Toronto Alliance. God is good, and he is doing all kinds of neat things in reaching the people around the world. We also went to an undisclosed area in Asia, and um, wow, our international workers, it's not easy. They are in an area where they do not want Christianity, and they're really buckled down and saying no more. They can't worship together as Christians, um, they have to be very careful. We closed the curtains when we worshiped. Uh, to, we had times of worship with them, but they didn't want their neighbors seeing. And they too uh, minister to the tea people. And uh, they have a business and they uh, use this wool to make toques and, and scarves and hats. And they use the tea women, 10 of them. And we have the privilege of seeing these women. And uh, the wonderful thing, yes, it's a business, but it's about building relationships with these women and that one day that they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So God is moving all around the world, and we have some wonderful uh, international workers and uh, doing some amazing things. So I want to thank you that you've given me this opportunity to share what I've God is doing in my life and what God has been doing in Summit. And I pray that, yeah, that you guys, the Lord would just bless you as you continue to pursue missions and global missions especially. So thank you.